Welcome to the latest podcast from Greyfriars Church in Reading. Our vision is to see Reading transformed by the love and power of Jesus. You can find out more on our website, greyfriars.org.uk. Enjoy. Good morning. If we haven't met before, my name is Alyssa. I am part of the congregation here at Greyfriars. And today we are coming up to the end of our series, uh, looking through faith, hope and love. Uh, If you've got the passage in front of you, then do keep it open. If you haven't, you can quickly run and grab it. It's just helpful to have as we unpack it. Uh, But why don't I pray and then we'll jump in. God, we thank you that you are love, that you are faithful, you are good and you are kind. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would fall now, speak to each of our hearts, remind us of who you are and what you've done for us. In your name, amen. What do you love? I wonder what's the first thing that comes into your head when I ask you that question. You might think of your friends, your spouse, maybe a particular food. The extra holy among you would have said Jesus and gold star to you if you did. I've gained a bit of a reputation among my friends for throwing around the word love quite a lot. Uh, One of my friends once described me as a woman of extremes, saying that I either absolutely love something or I can't stand it. And he's right, I do that a lot. Uh, For example, I say that I love dogs, but I hate cats. Um, I love Star Wars, but I don't really have time for episode one. Let's be honest, who does? And I love coffee, but if you make me an instant one, I will pour it down the sink when I think you're not looking. Now, hopefully my opinions aren't so strong that you've tuned out. If you have, I wouldn't even know, to be honest with you. Uh, But at the end of the day, I say that I love all those things I just mentioned, but I also say that I love my friends and my family. You know, the love I have for my parents, for example, is far stronger than the love I'll have for a random dog I might see on my daily walk. It's the same word, but it doesn't really mean the same thing, does it? But I think the one thing we can all agree on and that we all know is that we need love. It seems to be a core part of who we are. And that's not just a Christian idea. Our society screams at us that we need to find love. You know, we see, frankly, bizarre perfume adverts that seem to say, you know, just spray this scented water on you and then you'll become irresistible to the person of your dreams. Or think about how obsessed our culture is with celebrities, how people are desperate to become somebody who is adored and listened to and followed by thousands and thousands of people. But I think society has missed the point, and I think John would agree with me in today's passage. Because at the end of the day, all that love that society claims to offer, it's pretty fickle. You know, everyone in those perfume ads looks exactly the same. What do you do if you don't have a six-pack or a perfect nose? And everyone will love and adore you if you are a celebrity until that one tweet, that one social media post is dug up from years and years ago. And regardless of how much you have changed and grown and apologised, you are straight away hashtag cancelled. Society no longer cares about you. The fact is, is that none of that is true love because God is. It's a whole different ballgame to anything else that this earth claims to be love. It is core to who he is and needs to be core to who we are. John cannot be clearer here. You cannot claim to be a follower of Jesus and not love. But not loving with whatever the world thinks love is. Loving with the unconditional, selfless love of God, which is displayed in Jesus and continued in us. John is convinced of this. 
The love that we've received from God is our motivation and our reason for loving one another. We are to follow the example of the Father set by Jesus and love one another deeply and selflessly because love is a key identity marker of the people of God. In order to get there, though, we first need to answer a question that I need to try my best to not to burst into song when I ask it, what is love? Because I said at the start, we use the word love in so many different contexts. If you've heard any sermon on love ever, you'll likely know that the Greeks were a pretty intelligent bunch and they had a number of words to refer to different types of love. And we see these words throughout the New Testament, such as eros for romantic love, philia for friendship love, and then the word that John uses throughout this passage today, agape. Agape is the love of God, unconditional, faithful love. Love that never ends, never walks out, never fails. And it is who God is. He's not merely loving or slightly kind. He is love. In the same way that you can't have the ocean without the water that makes it up, you can't separate God from love. And that's the basis for John's entire argument here. He makes the case twice in the first two verses. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. We have to start with the person of God himself. If we don't start with the source of true love, then we will quickly run dry because our human love won't last. That's why we have a separate word for it in the Greek. No forms of human love are like it, not the love between a husband or a wife or two best friends. It doesn't come close. Now, those forms of love are still love, don't get me wrong, and we do see some of the reflection of God's love in those relationships, but the only place to find true, lasting, unconditional, selfless love is in the person of God. There's a reason why in 1 Corinthians 13, where we started this series, that Paul says that out of faith, hope, and love, that love is the greatest, that agape is the greatest. Because it's the only one out of the three that God himself is. He's not faith, he's not hope, but he is love. But don't we often doubt that or simply forget it? It's often hard to look beyond the situations we find ourselves in. And, and we find ourselves and we hear other people asking, well, how can a God who is love allow X, Y, and Z? But God knows the answer to those questions. Jesus. John makes it clear that Jesus is all of the evidence we need that God is love. Verses 9 and 10, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent us his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. If you're not sure whether or not God truly loves you, then dear friends, look to Jesus. Jesus was the physical embodiment of God on earth and so was the physical embodiment of love, of agape on this earth. Jesus, who had every privilege as the son of God, who lived with him in all of his fullness and all the glory and riches of heaven, gave that up to come and die on a Roman cross for you and for me. He gave his life for your freedom and acceptance. The cross is the greatest act of love, the greatest act of agape this world has ever and will ever see. Crucifixion was one of the most brutal deaths in all of human history, and Jesus wasn't immune to any of it. He suffered it all to make us right with the Father and so that we can have a loving, intimate relationship with him. 
to quote one of the most well-known verses in the entirety of the Bible, John 3:16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. You know, as it's been said, we're at the start of Holy Week today. And as you, you know, join that Zoom call on Maundy Thursday or listen to those podcasts on Good Friday, I want to encourage you to see every event through the lens of agape. Every word, every action that Jesus does. See it as the Father showing his love to you through him. As many of you will know for my day job, I work alongside the Christian Union up at Reading University. I, I do talk about it quite a lot. Um, and one of the incredible privileges of my job is being able to share the good news of Jesus, particularly with international students, some of whom have no idea who Jesus is and probably won't get the chance to hear about, them in, hear about him in their own home countries, but they hear about him for the first time when they come and study here. I went for coffee uh, when I first started this job and when I actually could uh, with a Japanese student who had come to faith a few months before and she had some really big questions about her new found faith. She got out her notebook and there was this long list of questions on it and for one of them she looks at me and she goes, so Jesus came and died for everyone but did he really come and die for me? in a coffee shop in the centre of Reading University, I got to look her in the eye and tell her, yes, Jesus really did die for her. And if you were all with me in this building right now, I would do the same thing again to each and every one of you. Jesus died to show the love of the Father to you, for you to live in the fullness and the freedom of agape. Because of the cross, you have full forgiveness and acceptance. You have complete access to the fullness of God's love for you in the highest moments of your life and the lowest. You don't have to work for it, look a certain way for it, behave a certain way for it. There is nothing you can do to earn it or lose it. Jesus said on the cross with his dying breaths that it is finished. The work is done. We live in the fullness of God's love. But it doesn't stop there. As a result of the love we have received, we are then to love one another. And this is the main point that John is making here today. We are to love one another because God first loved us. We are to love another, one another with the same selfless, sacrificial agape that Jesus loved us with. Because as John writes in verse 17, love is made complete in us when we are like Jesus. And that means that as his followers, we need to be committed to living a life like his, a life of agape. To put it in the words of another John, the biblical scholar John Stott, no one who has been to the cross and seen God's immeasurable and unmerited love displayed there can go back to a life of selfishness. Once we've seen what Jesus has done for us, we can't just sit back and live our lives as normal because it's an active love. It's not a passive one. It's the love that sent Jesus to this earth in the first place and then sends us out in love to one another. The agape of God is universal and unconditional. In the same way that Jesus died for all of us, we are to love all people, particularly our brothers and sisters. We are united in love through what Jesus has done for us on the cross. We are to love with the same agape that he did, the same selfless, unconditional love to be like him and to live a life like his. You know, as Jesus was the embodiment of love on earth, he lived a life of love, which he demonstrated through service and sacrifice. Jesus practically served those around him, 
whether it be washing his disciples' feet or feeding hungry crowds, he knew that to show somebody love was to serve them. But serving our brothers and sisters right now can potentially be tricky depending on what situations and circumstances you find yourself in. But actually, what could practical, active service look like for you right now? You know, maybe the people you live with, family or not, how could you lovingly serve them? Or maybe there's somebody you know in our church family who is going through a particularly difficult time. Is there a way you could reach out and serve them and show them love somehow? And if you're not sure, why not just drop them a message and ask to pray for them at least? Jesus not only served, but he also sacrificed. He who held all of the riches of heaven left it for poverty on earth. He who had limited power entered into a limited human body. He who knew true intimacy and closeness with the Father cried out, why have you forsaken me on the cross? Jesus sacrificed it all, including his very life. Sacrifice is painful. It's not an easy thing to do, but it's what love does. It says that you and your needs are more important than me and mine, so I will lay down my life in order to love and to serve you. So is there something in your life that maybe you need to sacrifice in order to love your brothers and sisters better? It might be an attitude, a grudge, or maybe a behaviour that you love but you know is damaging to your brothers and sisters around you. Again, it is painful and it is difficult, but it is the call of agape on us to service and to sacrifice. Because at the end of the day, agape is active. We can't just sit back and accept it from God. We are then to carry it on, to actively show it to others around us. We are to see our brothers and sisters for who they are, dearly and unconditionally loved by God. And yes, this love is for you, and I'm talking to you right now watching, but it's also for everybody else watching on this live stream and beyond. You know, we are the family of God through what Jesus has won for us on the cross. And so we are to show the same agape to our brothers and sisters as Jesus did to them, to serve and sacrifice to them as a reminder of what Jesus won for them on the cross. And notice here how John doesn't make any exceptions. It's not anyone, must, anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister, except if they look different to you. Or since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another unless they really get on our nerves. It is unconditional and it is selfless. But this is an easy thing to say and not really an easy thing to do, right? We're human, we mess up. We will and we do get this whole agape thing wrong. And don't many of us know the pain of that truth? I personally believe it's because as followers of Jesus, we often don't put agape high enough on our agendas. You know, there are endless stories of people from all sorts of backgrounds who have been deeply wounded by the church. And I think that's often because we quickly go into self-preservation mode. We care more about protecting ourselves and our ways of doing things than we do about selfless love. You know, I've, I've seen Christians from all sorts of different backgrounds bicker and argue and just refuse to work with one another instead of choosing to love with the selfless agape of Jesus. And the, the fact is, is that we do and we will disagree on things within the church. You know, there'll be theological and ethical and cultural issues that we won't see eye to eye on. And that is okay, as long as we disagree in love and continue to live in agape towards the people we're disagreeing with. But on the other hand of that, 
we will sometimes have to speak the truth in love. You know, it's, it's not love if you're allowing your brothers and sisters to live in a way that isn't making them more like Jesus. So sometimes we will have to talk to people about that and address it with them. But if we do, it is so important that we talk to them and we speak to them in love, in agape, in a way that recognises that they are unconditionally loved by God and by us, and that actually we're probably just as sinful as them in a whole host of other ways. You know, even if we go as far as into hating our brothers and sisters while still claiming to love God, then John tells us very bluntly in verse 20 that we are liars who cannot love God. To love God is to love our brothers and sisters. And Jesus himself commands it as well in John 16, 34. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Love is a key identity marker of a disciple of Jesus. The world knows we're Jesus' followers when we love one another. We're not to bicker, be full of infighting and backstabbing and all of that rubbish. We're to show our broken and divided world what love truly is, what the love of Jesus looks like. It's not a love based on how you look, how well you did at school, whether you're married and have kids, how many followers you have on Instagram. It's based on the fact that God is love, that God is agape. God is unconditional, selfless love. And he showed that once and for all by sending Jesus to come and die for us and win us back to himself, by showing us the greatest act of agape that we will ever know. And we are then to show that to others around us by the way in which we live, by living lives of service and sacrifice to our brothers and sisters, to see them and love them with the same love that Jesus does and has shown us. Not apathetic love that just writes people off, active agape. To actively serve others at whatever cost it might be to us to show them love. To be willing to sacrifice whatever positions, status, opportunity we have to show them that we love them more than we love ourselves. To love others regardless of who they are and how they might hurt us. We need to be committed to living lives of agape because God himself is. And like I said, this is an easy thing to say and not necessarily an easy thing to do. And as I was preparing and writing this talk this week, I really had a sense that for some people, you're stuck at stage one. That actually struggling to believe that God is love is, is really difficult for you right now. And if you're in that place, then that is okay. But please know that God shows you that once and for all in sending Jesus. And if you're not in that place, if you're not stuck at stage one, then again, that's fine. But I want to pray for us now that we would be committed to living lives of love, living lives of love that show other people both in and out of the church who Jesus is and what he's done. So why don't I pray for us now? Father God, thank you that you are love, that you are the ultimate example of love, and that, Jesus, you showed us that love once and for all in dying for us. And Heavenly Father, I pray for all my brothers and sisters watching right now who are struggling to believe that you are love, whose circumstances and situations are screaming at them the exact opposite. 
Holy Spirit, would you fall on them now? Overwhelm them with your love. Help them to know that they are loved regardless of what has been done to them, what has been said over them, that they are loved. And God, for all of us, I pray that you would stir up a passion and a recommitment to love in us. That we wouldn't be passive bystanders standards to the problem of this world. But that, God, we would go in active love, active service, active sacrifice to those around us. To remind our brothers and sisters of what you have done and won for us on the cross. And that Jesus, ultimately, we would be the ultimate example of love to a broken and divided world around us. Holy Spirit, would you fall on your church and your people again this morning, I pray. Remind them that they are loved. In Jesus' name, amen.